Blog Talk Radio. A new study estimates that at least 4% of all defendants sentenced to death are innocent. The new report compiled by legal and statistical experts in Pennsylvania and Michigan used statistical techniques to peer behind the so-called dark figure that lies behind the death penalty. The number is described as deliberately conservative and concludes that if those wrongfully convicted had their sentences cleared, the exoneration rate would jump from 1.6% to over 4.1%. The author of the study, uh, Samuel Gross, says, quote, this is a disturbing finding. There are a large number of people who are sentenced to death, and despite our best efforts, some of them have undoubtedly been executed. So by the, by the logic adopted, um, around 340 prisoners would have been released over the 30-year period that was analyzed. They analyzed the period from 1974 to 2004, um, whereas in fact, only 138 were actually released. So it's a vast, a wide, wide differential there. This, uh, every so often the debate about the death penalty comes up and this should bring it to the surface again and be addressed because that's, that's a, a gaping, gaping gap in the statistics. 300 people put the death wrongly. Henry McCollum and Leon Brown are half-brothers and they've been in jail for 31 years. And the reason why they're in jail is because they uh, allegedly did the brutal crime of raping a, a woman named Sabrina Bowie, and then they killed her by shoving her panties down her throat. So a brutal, grotesque, vicious crime, we all agree. And this week, so the publication this week points out, quote, McCollum and Brown, both of whom have IQs in the 50s and 60s, were convicted mainly on the basis of signed confessions. So the case is so high profile that Antonin Scalia, the Supreme Court Justice, actually referenced this case in an argument he made, I believe in the 90s, as to why he thinks the death penalty actually is constitutional. He basically says, well, look, some of these crimes are so vicious that the only just thing to do is to kill these people. So here is where the curveball to the story comes in. The signed confessions were coerced. And then, quote, they were cleared thanks to DNA testing of evidence. The North Carolina Innocence Inquiry Commission did find DNA evidence on a cigarette butt near the crime scene, but it belonged to a guy named Roscoe Artis, a convicted sexual predator who lived a block from where Bowie's body was found. So these guys spent 31 years in jail and they didn't do it. Oh, is that rough, man. That's crazy. Now, thankfully, because of the DNA evidence, uh, they're being released, and in a twist of irony and vindication, really, Antonin Scalia's example in favor of the death penalty is actually an example against the death penalty.
And welcome in tonight, ladies and gentlemen. You've arrived at AJC Radio, coming live from Colorado Springs, Colorado, where the temperature tonight right now is 46 degrees, partly sunny, and uh, we are ready for spring. But folks, tonight, pull up a chair because this is going to be a big one. Tonight, AJC Radio deals with a very important issue, and that is the death penalty, the injustice, and the lives that have been taken as a result of this law. We're going to talk about it tonight, and we're going to have some conversation about the victims of injustice, and we're talking about the death penalty. Folks, hang on to your seats. Tonight, we take a trip to death row. And there you have it, folks. My name is Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, Dennis Merritt, and the entire AJC radio team. And uh, tonight, uh, we're dealing with some very, very important issues. We're going to encourage you folks tonight to dial, feel free to dial in and get, excuse me, to be a part of this conversation at 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. And uh, we appreciate uh, you folks joining us tonight. This is going to be a very serious issue uh, that we're dealing with here tonight, and it, it, it demands uh, attention to be brought to it. Uh, we're going to be joined uh, a little later in the program by Diane, excuse me, by Diane Russ Tierney. Uh, she's the executive director of the National Coalition to Abolish the Death Penalty, and uh, we look forward to having her tonight, folks. This is going to be a good one. Uh, and Lisa, would you read the disclaimer for our folks, please? Yes, we just want to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide legal advice. We want to, you want to contact your personal legal advisor for all of your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC Radio. And as always, we want to thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend some time with us this evening. Thank you for that, Lisa. And Dennis, how are you, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I think this is going to be an awesome show. Well, Can't think, wait to get get into it. Well, absolutely, and we appreciate uh, you and Cliff. How are things working out for you this evening, Cliff, as we get ready to dig into this topic that is one of the major issues facing America right now? It's going great. The deal. Your thoughts on the death penalty issue? It's something that definitely needs to be uh, revamped. There's The death penalty has no place in America. It's proven to be barbaric uh, all over the world, and... It's like America is the last place holding on to it. And for the life sure. of me and, uh, you know, other people in Congress, and it's just like, why? Why do, why do we have the death penalty? It's not going to bring anybody back. My belief is that the uh, maximum sentence should be life in prison. That, that's my stance. No, and I'll tell you what, folks, the, the, the point is clear. Uh, it's one thing, Dennis, Lisa, Cliff, if we dealt with the system that was flawless that there were no issues, that there were no... And still, it depends on... Uh, a lot of people are on the opposite side of the death penalty uh, because we believe that our creator, uh, who gave life, would be the only one that can take it. Uh, a lot of people uh, take that position on it. Uh, but when you're dealing with human beings, and they're flawed, and mistakes can happen, then you're talking about human lives being lost. Uh, we had uh, read a statistic... Uh, that stated uh, 4% of the people that have died on death row, 4% have been innocent, were innocent or were proven to be innocent, but you've already taken their life. Exactly. That argument alone is sufficient enough that this should not be happening in this country. Dennis, your thoughts on that? Uh, exactly. What, uh, 
when you said 4%, if you really think about it, if there is a chance that any innocent person can be executed, I think we really need to look at that. If there's a possibility that we're going to execute someone that did not commit a crime, I agree with you, Cliff, when, when you said, you know, let's give them a life sentence. At least if somewhere down the line we find out that they're innocent, they can get out. They can get out. But if, 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 we, kill, if we execute them, and after the fact, find out, oops, uh, uh, that's a tragedy. Well, that's you don't, a tragedy. well, you don't get a mulligan. Yeah. And folks that are not familiar with the game of golf, uh, um, that's what a mulligan is. It's a do-over. <laughs> uh, that doesn't happen in life. No. And when you take a human life, and I'm reading a, a report um, that comes from the deathpenaltyinfo.org, uh, says that since 1976, 1,429 people have been executed. Wow. 1,429 people. Uh, I'll tell you what, folks. Make no mistake about it. America's criminal justice system is broken. That's why members of Congress, uh, our legislators, are pushing for criminal justice reform, sentencing reform. This all falls right in line with the death penalty and the consequences of these things. And these are issues that we have to deal with, we have to look at. And I'll tell you right now, folks, we're talking about life and death, and there has to be a value on human life. If you, if you devalue human life, and here's what's critical. The innocent people are dying. And I remember we had talked before about the, uh, they had a, a report of the last words of people that were on death row. Death row. And one of the gentlemen kept saying, check the DNA. Check the DNA, man. I didn't do this. I'm innocent. I didn't do this. I didn't do this. And they ignored him like he had nothing to say. And th these are things that just cannot go on. Lisa, when you hear this, I mean, I believe, Lisa, on a previous show, we talked about, I believe it was a young boy. Uh, was he 12 years old that was executed? Uh, he was a clip. I believe yeah. so, yeah. He, he was, I think he was 14 years old, and they killed this man, uh, this young boy. How do you put a kid to death? In, and that's in America. We set the foundation. We set the tone uh, of what's going on in this country. Lisa, your thoughts when you hear that, that these are issues that we have to deal with. What are your thoughts? Well, my personal thought on it, I think there are a lot of crimes that you hear about when you hear them and you see the, the magnitude of some of the things that, that are happening, crimes that are being committed, you think, yeah, the, the, the people that do some of these things, some of these things the, be, the, the best thing that could happen would be for people to die as a result of them. But my thought is, who has the right to impose that judgment on them? Who has the right to take their life? I don't think anyone walking the face of this earth has the right to take that person's life. I don't think any man has the right to do that. So I don't feel like we should be imposing that kind of sentence. I think, granted, people, there are times that people do death is what a person deserves, but we don't have the right to do that. That's true. And I think we need to leave that to those who have the right. And none of us down here have that right. Oh, go ahead, Lisa. But I think um, we, we've got to deal with the issues that... Too many people, just like you're, like you're saying, too many people are being killed that shouldn't be. And something is wrong with the country that says 
murder is a crime unless we do it. No, listen, Lisa, it couldn't be said any better than that. Uh, the bottom line is this. Uh, America, you cannot have the problems and the exonerations. See, that's the key. The exonerations and people that have been found to be not guilty. And as you heard in the opening clip, they said that this young man killed this man. And luckily, luckily, they found him to be innocent, that it was somebody else's DNA at the scene of the crime. It had nothing to do with this. And this man maintained his innocence. And we need to start listening, whether you want to, whether you like that or not. There are inmates in prison today crying out, saying, I'm innocent. I didn't do this thing. Why you strap them to a, a gurney bed or whatever you call it, and you inject them and end a life. And now you have the death penalty situation, how you're executing these people. You have them dying horrific deaths. And we're going to hear from some of the people tonight uh, that, you know, the, the medication wasn't right. It was expired, uh, the, the, the potent things. Cliff. Yeah, and, and uh, Lamont, you know, of that 1,429 uh, people who have died on death row, that 4% that you talked about is roughly 58 people. So, and then if you, you look at the fact that uh, 58 people have been put to death and they were innocent. And uh, in the chat room, uh, one, of our, one of our listeners, uh, namely Tulips, for you and me, I like what they said. It said, you can release an innocent man from prison, but not from the grave. And that's oh, what, that's what oh, we're that's, dealing that's, with. That's it. Is that, you know, if, you, if it comes, you come to find out DNA exonerated a person or, you know, someone else came and said, yes, I committed this crime. We can we can remediate that issue, but uh, not from the grave. There's there's nothing to do except, you know, put a plaque up and say, we're sorry, we killed you wrongfully. And here's this is this is amazing. Uh, death row inmates by race. Forty two percent black, 43 percent white, 13 percent Hispanic. So minorities take up the bulk of the of the percentages of people that are being actually that actually sit on death row. Um, it says since 1973, more than 150 people have been released from death row with evidence of their innocence. Now that speaks volumes. Volumes. What are they doing on death row if there's a chance they were innocent in the first place? If they have ever had to release one person from death row as be- that was innocent, they should never put another person on death row. That's the bottom line. Because that tells you that the system uh, is it's not in a position that we can guarantee that the person that we have on death row deserves, you know, the death penalty. So it's just it's, it's right. so the competitive nature of our justice system. I think that's our biggest problem. It's it's all about a win, win at all costs, even if it costs a life. A life. I mean, the, I, I want to win. I'm the prosecutor. I'm going against the defense. Win, win, win. That, that no, just doesn't work. No, absolutely. And it looks like here, uh, and these statistics of death row inmates by state as of July 1st uh, of 2015 of last year, 743 inmates on death row in California, 399 in Florida, 263 in Texas, and so on and so on. These are numbers, man, that... And I don't care if every state had one or two or three people on death row. We have an issue, and it has to be addressed. 
And I'll tell you, you know, it, it, it states here that persons were that were actually executed for interracial murders, 296 executions, uh, black versus uh, uh, white victims. 296 uh, people have been executed, African-American, mm. uh, for interracial murders, whatever you want to call it. This is a problem, ladies and gentlemen of America. We're going to ask you to call in and chime in on this program tonight. The number is 347-838-8976. And I'll tell you, um, you know, it, it really raises to question where America sits as other countries look on. And see, not only do we have the largest incarceration rate in the world, now we're killing, our, we're killing citizens. And we're, here's the key. If one man, as Lisa alluded to, if one person is innocent, one, and they have to be removed out of the death chamber, if you will, then we have a problem. And all the issues facing our criminal justice system today all of the inconsistencies and the unfairness and the injustice, how can we sit back as a country and justify the death penalty? How can you do it? And, you you know, Lamont, this one, uh, the one chart really, I mean, it's intriguing and it also is very, it's very chilling. They asked the question of the, uh, of the top, um, the, the, Past and present uh, presidents of the country's top academic criminological societies. So you're saying uh, the best the best universities, the best colleges that have a criminology department, the presidents that run those departments were asked, do executions lower homicide rates? The percentage of those who came back and said no was 88% of the people who run the criminology department. So that tells you they have they've done the studies. They haven't just looked at law. They just they haven't just uh, said okay from a political spectrum what effect does the death penalty have? They have done the studies that in the places uh, where death penalties are carried out has it reduced or has it lowered the homicide rates? And 88%. I mean that is a resounding no. It does not. It does it. So basically. The death penalty is doing nothing except giving uh, just one moment of, okay, I got some payback. But, you know, revenge has no end. So you cannot do it for revenge. You, There is no satisfaction if your loved one is still gone and you take someone else's life. There's no satisfaction to it. And, you know, killing another person, killing one person uh, that killed someone else, that is not going to recover that life. All it's going to do is like Lisa said, have another person being guilty for now you have another person who committed uh, murder. The person who pushed the button for the injection, who pulls the switch for the execution. You have to look at the fact that, okay, deal with the fact that you are now a murderer. You took a human life, and that is not your place to do that. But see, we justify that by saying that it's not, uh, we're doing it humanely. And so that oh. gives us that gives us the, the, the feeling that the way we killed them, you know, was a nice way to kill someone. It just right. doesn't and make that, sense. Death is death. That is a murder o- is murder. That's an oxymoron. You <laughs> cannot tell me, well, uh, you're better off if I burn you up, or if I if I if I put a bullet in your head. You died in both of those situations, and 
there is no humane way to take another human life. Well, I'll tell you that you're going to find on this program tonight, we're going to get into the executions by lethal injection that has turned actually into torture and cruel and unusual punishment. And that's what the advocates are saying uh, about it. And I'll just a, a note uh, on this. Defense costs for a death penalty trials in Kansas averaged about 400000 per case compared to 100000 per case when the death penalty was not sought. That's a study as of uh, the Kansas Judicial Council in 2014. A new study in California revealed that the cost of the death penalty in the state has been over $4 billion since 1978. $4 billion to kill. Ladies and gentlemen, stay with us as we are on the, uh, on the brink, if you will, of a serious discussion and a serious issue that faces America today. Have we become mercenaries? Have we become hired killers? Are we executioners? What is going on in the land of the USA as people continue to die and many have been innocent? Tonight, we take a trip to death row and the price of taking a life, the death penalty. We're coming right back, folks. Feel free to call us. 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. Folks, don't go nowhere. This topic needs to be discussed. AGC Radio takes you on that trip. We're coming right back. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252 That is a just cause, and we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call 1-855-529-4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. Picture this, a 75-year-old man convicted of murder waiting for his trial to finally go through. He's been on death row for 25 years now and finds out he's been wrongfully convicted and is completely innocent. Not only does this mean that 25 years of his life have been spent in jail for no reason, but that the actual murderer could still be out there right now. The bad thing is that this exact thing happens more often than you think, but you can help stop it by supporting our campaign to abolish the death penalty. 
Ladies and gentlemen of America, it is that time of year again. Let's Talk kicks off Tuesday, March 15th at 7 p.m. at 451 Windchime Place, sponsored by Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. We will be featuring Michelle Newell, Deputy Public Defender, right here in El Paso County. She will be addressing mass incarceration, criminal justice reform, judicial accountability, and one of her passions, treating versus jailing the mentally ill. Folks, this is something you don't want to miss. Give us a call, 855-529-4252, extension 710. Folks, Let's Talk kicks off now. We'll see I don't have to tell you about the challenges we face every day. That would be like preaching to the choir. Today you have a chance to face the challenge of your risk for diabetes. My dad had diabetes and one in four U.S. adults are at risk, myself included. If you're older than 45 or African American, that risk increases. So here's a chance to ask yourself, what can I do? Talk to your doctor about getting screened and know what your options are. Learn more at AskScreenKnow.com. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Lamont Banks. You have arrived at AJC Radio tonight. We thank you for joining us. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt. And tonight we are addressing an issue, the death penalty in America and the injustice of that. Um, And whichever way, well, whatever side of the issue that you're on with that, it is a very uh, uh, controversial, passionate uh, argument, and it's not in any way to take away from the victims, uh, Dennis, who uh, maybe have lost a loved one through horrific death and, and these things. We don't in any way make light of that. But our issue is this. The entire system as a whole, there is a problem. And if we are killing innocent people, which we have proven to have done, folks that have been on death row, then there is a problem and a moral obligation and a human obligation to address that issue and to take it off the table. Dennis, your thoughts on that? I agree. I agree. And like you said, uh, some of these uh, crimes that have been committed are heinous. Uh, I mean, wow, they make you cringe. So I can understand the family's uh, viewpoint. But again, as you said, as you alluded to, we have to, I mean, we have to be real. I mean, if there's a possibility that we're going to kill uh, uh, innocent person uh, for a crime or or for a murder that they didn't commit, then we've got a problem. We need to look at our justice system and see why are we killing innocent people. You know, without question, and that that's critically important. Uh, what we have to actually ad- address and deal with, and America has an obligation. And I'll say it again, and we'll continue to say it. America does not have the right to remain silent. You as a citizen do not have the right to remain silent. When you're dealing with injustice, and Martin Luther King said it, injustice anywhere affects justice everywhere. And we're talking lives now. We're talking where do we draw the line? Where do we say uh, that the possibility, and and that that this article, uh, uh, Cliff, that we alluded to earlier, made this statement. There's no way to tell how many of the more than 1,000 people executed since Excuse me, 14,000 people executed in 1976 may also have been innocent. I guess they're stating they may have, they may have been 1,000 people innocent. The, the, the fact that that's even a possibility and that is, is, that is... That is sickening. That is a problem. So, you're, so they're basically coming back and say, okay, we have uh, 
uh, a two to one, uh, you know, probability that the people that we killed were innocent. That we have fourteen hundred of them, but a thousand of them may have been innocent. But we we we're not digging into it. We don't know. Uh, we can't say that is the type that that statement alone says that uh, the death penalty needs to be done away with. Because what at the end of the day, what is the benefit of the death penalty? And if everybody who says I'm an advocate of the death penalty, if you ask yourself that at the end of the day, what is the benefit? You have not brought uh, those lives back that that the uh, the person that is to be executed or, or has been executed. You have not brought those victims back. The family only got a glimpse of what could be uh, thought to be justice. But at the at the end of the day, th- there is no uh, there is no cure for the loss or the pain. It does well, not fix it. And you can't take a mother's heart that's been broken. Right, you can you, you, you cannot repair that by repair saying it. I killed another person. Oh, I'm sorry, I took another life. My bad. Really? That's not going to work. And folks, we're going to get into this discussion uh, even a little further. But right now, uh, we're going to get ready to uh, uh, bring on our guest, um, uh, Diana Russ Tierney. Uh, she's executive director of the National Coalition uh, to abolish the death penalty. And uh, I'll tell you what, a woman that's doing some things and believing. Uh, in what we're talking about tonight. And uh, uh, Diana, are you there? I'm here. I'm here. Thank you so much for joining us. How are you this evening? I'm terrific. I'm, I'm terrific. delighted to be I'm here. here. Well, it's a pleasure to have you. We count ourselves honored uh, to uh, share your company tonight with your experience. And I think the American people, as well as uh, all the folks here in uh, AJC Radio, are excited to hear, uh, and please don't understand what I mean by excited, that there is somebody that is fighting for justice. And uh, we appreciate you joining us tonight. I'm going to just give you the floor to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what your purpose is, your vision, your advocacy, and what is so important as we deal with this very important issue. We welcome you to AJC Radio tonight. Well, first of all, thank well, you for all, having me. It's, it's been it's wonderful, been wonderful uh, to hear the uh, debate because so you're, 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 you're on point so much, so much. Uh, uh, in terms, in of, terms you know, of some of the problems that we're having with the death penalty. Death penalty. I am the executive, I am the director, director of the National Coalition to Abolish the Death Penalty. Death penalty. And, and uh, we have been we launching have been a nationwide, nationwide campaign, campaign to get more people, people involved in telling, in telling people the truth about the death penalty. How it's not yes. working. working. How, how uh, you uh, talk about innocent about people are being executed. And how it continues to perpetuate racial bias. And the reality, yes, the reality is that the death penalty is death already on its already way, out. way out. You know, last you know, year last we saw, again, again fewer and fewer, fewer executions going forward, going forward, fewer and fewer, fewer deaths that are death being imposed, and we've continued to see public support decline, decline public opposition increase. increase. But it's not but it's happening not fast, enough. fast enough. And, and we, just, we need to really we focus need to really on the points you were making. What does the death penalty give us? It doesn't enhance public safety. We know the things to do. And, and, you know, we, you know, we focused on that. And, uh, Diane, this is Cliff Stewart. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, we're looking at an article that came out earlier um, this this month. And basically, there is a bill that uh, is on Capitol Hill that, um, you know, 
the House committee is endorsing the bill to make electrocution the default punishment if lethal injection doesn't work. And, and for our listeners out there um, who may not know, you know, there there has been, like you said, a lot of a lot of uh, advocacy to end the death penalty, even with the pharmaceutical company saying we will not even supply the drugs for lethal injection. If you want them, you're going to have to go abroad because we're not even going to create them because that's how much they oppose the death penalty. So now. They have a committee in Congress that's saying we will change the uh, the default method to electrocution from lethal injection. Um, I, you know, since I am a uh, I do oppose the death penalty, I really don't get how that bill is really making any headway. Can you give us some type of insight on what could be the mindset on the people who are still for the death penalty, that this type of bill would be able to make it this far in the Senate or the House, well, rather. Well, I think what we're what we're seeing is that there's some people that just won't let go. I mean, clearly it's a step back, and it's a it's a failure to kind of look at at the facts and the information, and and also. You know, a reflection you know, a, a, a flawed view of what the public really public wants. Want. The public the wants public things that actually keep actually us safer. safer. And we know what those know things are. Investment in, in childhood, childhood, early childhood education, education, you know, mm-hmm. safe, safe uh, jobs, job, dealing with dealing trauma. trauma. These are the kind these of things that will help for victims. These, these are the things that everybody agrees will work. work. And so I think, and so I see, see, you know, you know, which is true. Whenever you change, there's a few people who continue to want to hang on to the past. And that's what and we that's see. And so we're going to hope that that's, that's ultimately defeated. defeated. But I think but I, the public has got to stand up and say, say we, we want, want the, 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 the foolishness to stop. stop. We right. need to focus need on the things that work. That work. Okay. And uh, what we're going to do, uh, 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 Diane, and I don't know how much, how much time you got for us tonight. Can you stay with us for a little yes, bit longer? Okay. Yes, we're going to yes. in, get into exactly uh, what you're doing and uh, – we're going to come right back on the other side of this break, uh, and we'll be right with you. We may be talking to you offline here in a moment, okay? Thank you. Thank you. All right, give us one moment. Folks, uh, with that, we'll be right back. Stay with us as we continue to discuss the death penalty in America and the issues that we face as a nation as we become executioners of the innocent. We're coming right back in a moment. anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855 529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. I'm a mother. 
I'm a father. I'm a sister. A registered nurse. I serve my country in the United States military. I'm your neighbor. I sit next to you at church. And my child was arrested, held in custody, questioned without my knowledge, exposed to violence, witnessed to rape, placed in solitary confinement, unable to call or see me, shackled to a wall, beaten, sentenced as an adult at age 17, sentenced as an adult at age 16, sentenced as an adult at age 15. We felt lost, isolated, ostracized, misjudged, terrified. And in the absence of all hope, my child took his own life. And then I found the Alliance for Youth Justice. They gave me the support and resources to get through one of the most difficult times in my life. Now I know I'm not alone. And neither are you. Now we have a voice. Now we We have have power. power. In numbers. In numbers. In numbers. We we can can make a difference. There are approximately 2 million children in the juvenile and criminal justice system in this country. These are the faces of those families. If you are the family member of a child who has been in the justice system, or if you are someone who supports this movement and is ready to make a difference, visit the Campaign for Youth Justice at www.campaignforyouthjustice.org. We have a big problem, and we need your help. It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters, our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening and I was taught, you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I'd speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation. You can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today, 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. Thank you.
ladies and gentlemen, if you hear that, what does that mean? The eye of the tiger, as we are in a jungle seeking answers for the injustice that plagues this country. And tonight we deal with a very serious topic, the death penalty, the injustice of that. We're going to get into discussion with that. I'm Lamont Banks along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt and the AJC radio team. And tonight we are, uh, Dennis, as we talk about this death penalty, and we're very uh, honored to have Diane Russ Tierney uh, with us, and we're going to be bringing her right back here in a moment. Dennis, when you hear that, it's very troubling. As we call this the home of the land and the free, we, we, we say to other countries uh, that, uh, uh, you know, we are fair and, and, and we, we care about human beings and we are the advocates for justice and human rights while we murder. And you can't give it a different word than that. You murder innocent people on death row. That can't happen. And uh, we're going to go ahead and uh, bring Diane back in. Diane, are you with us? I'm with you. I'm with you all the way. Okay. And we wanted to uh, have you, Diane, do your introduction to our people again. We took a break. Uh, we wanted to make sure you, you were on a very safe and secure line, uh, and we got that worked out. So give your introduction again. And we are going to uh, get into some questions here as we get ready to deal with what you do, your passion, what got you involved with, uh, and I'll, give you, I'll tell the folks, ladies and gentlemen of America, Diane Tierney is executive director of the National Coalition to Abolish the Death Penalty. And those are powerful, powerful words giving the conversation that's being done. And we're going to get into that dialogue right now. And Diane, go ahead and introduce yourself to the folks one more time, and we'll get ready to uh, go forward with that. Sure. My name is Diane West Tierney, and I've been working on this issue about 30 years, and I think that, uh, you know, my conviction against the death penalty was really, really rooted in my, my upbringing as a child. Uh, when we were taught that, you know, even the least of us was, was precious in the sight of God, and I think that that is carried through uh, through my training my lawyer to kind of see how the system doesn't work. And so that's so kind of... Kind of Propelled, propelled, continue to do this work. Do this and, work. And, and, and I'm, and I'm happy at the happy progress of my good making, but we still have, we a, lot have a lot of work to do. Okay, and, and Diane, what got you into, uh, what was the passion that drove you into this, that made you feel like, you know what, uh, we need to get out here and, and do something about this situation? Was there anything in particular that got you uh, in a position to say, look, I need to get involved and make a change? Well, well, it was, it was it seeing the injustice and, and, and feeling as though even one person could make a difference. Make a difference. You know, I don't you know, know whether it was, you know, it's stories, stories that, we, that we read in the paper read about, about people being unfairly tried, 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 whether it was, uh, you know, seeing the injustice. But it propelled me to want to make a change and to really see that one person can make a difference. That's really that the basis of which our organization, the National Coalition for Abolition has been founded. Found that one person can stand up, stand up and tell the truth about the death penalty and influence their family and families and ultimately, ultimately influence public policy. No, absolutely. And, and uh, you know what? We have to really look, I believe uh, as a nation, we have to look in the mirror and take a look. Um, at where have we come, and I'm going to say bottom line, we have digressed uh, as a nation. Um, and it seems to be getting worse 
to be honest with you. People uh, tend to not feel uh, human compassion. Uh, and again, it's not to deal with or address the issues uh, dealing with the victims that have lost maybe somebody. And a lot of times the problem with this is that emotions are running very, very high uh, when a loved one is taken. So sometimes people rush to judgment, and that's what we're dealing with, not the people that are guilty. And again, it, it depends on what side of the issue you're on. But the fact that innocent people, and that's our issue, innocent people are dying as a result of what we have implemented as the law of the land. And that's just something that can't, that can't work. Dennis, your thoughts on that? And, and as, you, as everyone was talking, I thought about how in other countries, how we frown on the uh, eye for an eye philosophy. Uh, in some countries, they still, you know, if you steal, they cut your hand off. If you uh, if you you look at a, a a woman or do something wrong, you know they take your eyes out. But it's weird how we justify ours. We make ours look good. You know, it's the same philosophy no matter how you look at it. Uh, you take a life, you take a life. Period. But we make it look as though yeah, we took that life, but we did it humanely. So we're not like the other countries. We're the best. We care about the way we kill people. And it just doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. No matter how you look at it. That's right. That's and, right. And, Diane, we have uh, just uh, got word from our technical team uh, that there's a, an echo on the line. Do you hear that on your end? I do. I do. You do. Uh, it yeah, may both be. Of them, both. <laughs> yeah. And the last thing I want to do is have your message lost. Um, and I, I don't know if there's a if there, is it the phone or is there we've we, we've, tra- we've changed phones I don't know what don't it is what it is um, uh, now on my now cell phone it's, it's still getting back, still getting back. and you can hear it so yeah mm-hmm. um, uh, let's do this uh, Diane I'm, we're gonna go we're gonna take one more quick break um, okay and I'm gonna okay. I'm gonna come back to you and I'm gonna talk to you here in a moment uh, your message is of such magnitude and such importance. We cannot have your words lost. That's right. With an echo. Well, thank you so much. So uh, much. Thank you. Thank okay. So we're going to, ladies and gentlemen of America, we apologize. Uh, you know, cell phones, technology, here you go. Uh, these things happen from time to time. But we're going to try to get that worked out. Uh, we are honored to have Diane Russ Tierney. She's executive director of the National Coalition to Abolish the Death Penalty. We're going to make some attempts to fix this issue. And, uh, Diane, if, if we cannot fix it, uh, I would hope that you, we, we would graciously ask, uh, that you come back, uh, where we can get figure out at least what's what's happening with this because I think your message I, is I, is very very important. I'd be happy to do that. Yeah. Okay, we appreciate that. We're going to come right back, ladies and gentlemen. Diane, hang on for me. We'll be right back as we continue the death penalty discussion on AJC Radio. Do you have a big brother? Well, I have a big brother, and I'm pretty sure that you and I experience some of the same things with a big brother. Big brothers will always be big brothers, right? I'm sure you'll agree. Well, my brother gets up in the morning. He takes a shower, heads to work, and at some point during the day, he's going to exercise and get that workout, as we all do. And, of course, depending on what's going on, he's going to sit down for two or three meals during the course of his day. And also, depending on what else is going on, he'll probably get caught up on current events and maybe take a few moments to turn a page 
in a book. How about your big brother? Some of the same stuff, right? Oh, did I mention that my big brother does all of that stuff? But he actually has to have permission a lot of times before he can do it. You see, my big brother was wrongfully convicted of a crime that he did not commit. That's right. That may sound shocking, huh? He's in prison. Wrongful convictions impact families in ways you cannot begin to imagine. But I've decided that I'm going to do something about it. And I extend an invitation to you to come on board and join me in this fight. You see, I'm helping to be a voice for my big brother and others who have been wrongfully convicted. We'd like you to take a few moments today and call a just cause where we fight for justice. You can call us toll free at 1-855-529-4252. That's 1-855-529-4252. Join with us as we fight for justice and for all big brothers across the land. History is important because it shows where you're coming from and where you're going. Type 2 diabetes is something that runs in my family, which means I'm at risk. In fact, one in three American adults are at risk for developing type 2 diabetes. And knowing this, if I do nothing, that family history becomes my family's future. And my family is too important to me for that. Take the risk factor assessment today at AskGreenNo.com. For a kid whose mom or dad is in prison, life is tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that, life just got a little bit tougher. Trying to explain to friends why mom or dad is not at the school play or at the ball game is something that no kid should ever be faced with. Especially if mom or dad is innocent. Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful convictions by remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation. You can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause today, 1-855-529-4252. We seek justice for the children. As they go to bed at night and mom's not there, dad's not in the other room to make them feel safe. Not because dad or mom did anything wrong, because justice could not be found. Join us for the children, for they truly are our future. Picture this. A 75-year-old man convicted of murder waiting for his trial to finally go through. He's been on death row for 25 years now and finds out he's been wrongfully convicted and is completely innocent. Not only does this mean that 25 years of his life have been spent in jail for no reason, but that the actual murderer could still be out there right now. The bad thing is that this exact thing happens more often than you think by supporting our campaign to abolish the death penalty. Good morning, students, and welcome to Career Day. I hope you're excited to hear about all the great things you can do when you grow up. Hi, everyone. I'm Emily. I'm super excited to introduce 
My dad, because he's my hero. When I was little, my dad was away a lot. But I was okay with that because he was doing this really important work, driving ambulances in Iraq. Now he's at home, which is great for me because I get to see him every day now. And he's still the biggest hero I know because he tells all the ambulances and the fire engines where to go and rescue people when there's an emergency. I'm so proud of him. He's awesome. He's my dad. If your service-connected disability prevents you from continuing in your civilian career, Voc Rehab offers counseling, training with a living allowance, education, and other services to help prepare you for your next mission. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is AJC Radio, and uh, I'm Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt. And tonight we deal uh, with an issue, and we tackle an issue dealing with the death penalty in America and the controversy that is surrounding this land and the innocent lives of people being taken. And that's whether you're a man or a woman, we have become executioners in this country. Uh, that doesn't sound good. Doesn't make you feel good when you when you you know sit down at the breakfast table with a bowl of Cheerios. Doesn't make you feel too patriotic. But I'll tell you right now, folks, we have an issue and we have a situation, if you will, uh, that's affecting uh, uh, America and the lives, the the value of human life seems to just be going out the window. We're going to dig into that a little further. We give our apologies. We, we're so grateful that Diane Russ Tierney joined us briefly tonight. Uh, some technical issues. Uh, where we couldn't get the quality. Uh, she agreed with me. I did talk to her on the break uh, that we wanted. She's very, very uh, eager to get her message out, but we'd rather have that message out come out clear to our listeners and to people around the world as we talk about this important issue cannot uh, and will not uh, go uh, uh, at the highest level of quality because people need to know what's going on. She's agreed to come back on, Dennis, to AJC Radio uh, to share her position. An outstanding young lady doing some big things and fighting things that are not easy to fight, uh, Dennis, when you're dealing with the death penalty and the controversy and the people that agree and don't agree, uh, we salute her courage for what she's doing. Your thoughts on that? True, true. I was really looking forward to it. I mean, what, what we did hear from her was awesome. Uh, it, like you said, it is a fight. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that are pro, uh, you know, execution, pro, you know, uh, death sentence, death penalty, but, uh, I tell you, what she did have to say, I, I agree 100% with her, and I'm sure uh, she, she agrees with what we're saying tonight. And, folks, she did give me the permission. Folks, if you want to get a hold of Diane, uh, feel free to contact her at 202-331-4098. Uh, you can also uh, email her at Diane, D-I-A-N-N-R-U-S-T-T-I-E-R-N-E-Y, at ncadp.org. And you can also go and check her out on Facebook as well uh, and also on Twitter. Uh, she's doing some great things. And just to say one more note about Diane, experienced nonprofit manager with 30 years of public policy and litigation advocacy experience. Uh, she manages the operations of the organization and directs programs for the organization and its 100 affiliate organizations seeking to change public policy on the death penalty. Uh, so this this young lady is, is doing it big, and we salute you tonight, Diane, and thank you again so much. We look forward, Lisa, 
uh, to having her back. Uh, a strong woman and doing some some really really uh, good things uh, for America. Yeah, she really is. And uh, so I'll tell you what we're going to dig into that now a little bit about the conversation. But uh, there's a couple of things that uh, we're going to look at uh, that deals with this topic, and it's being talked about um, in America. Dennis, I, I tell you what, you can go anywhere in this country at a at a restaurant. Uh, any type of public forum, community event, anything along those lines. And people are talking about criminal justice reform. Exactly. The death penalty falls under that. Yes, it does. And uh, I don't. you guys are probably aware of the folks that died. Uh, it was in the news a year ago where uh, families, uh, families actually had, uh, were, were, were talking and speaking out about the suffering that happens. And I think, Dennis, you alluded to the fact, um, I, th- I think we re- referenced the fact uh, that, uh, you know, people, family members are watching their family members, their family members die as they go to see them for the last time. Wow. But they're dying inhumanely. Wow. That's, we're talking torture. That, that, that's even worse. We're talking torture. And let's hear a little bit about that clip in this family that speaks out. And we wanted to try to explain to our audience in Britain where they don't have death row, what it's like for people like you who are in this situation. Gregory Rousseau says he wants the world to know who he really is. Someone said to me, you have a right to get out there and tell people, show people who you are. And everybody behind me said, do it, bear. That's what they call me. They call you bear? Bear, big bear. So I signed yes. Are you in a cell by yourself? Yeah, single cell, a table, top shelf. Um, very small for a man my size anyway, so it's very small. Weakens the mind, make you vulnerable if you allow it. But my hope is I'm fighting for freedom. And until I'm strapped to the gurney or they open the doors, then I'm going to keep fighting. That's my hope. Now, I don't hope to spend the rest of my life locked up. I'm not hoping for a state to continue to interact in this environment. That's not what I'm asking and working on. So most people do, so they just want to live. And I mean, I wish us all to live, but this is not a place for him to be. So you're not wanting your death penalty to be converted to no. life imprisonment. That would be... No, ma'am. That would be worse? To me. I'm innocent of this charge. Gregory Rousseau was tried and convicted 13 years ago for the killing of 75-year-old James Syvertson in his hometown of Tyler, Texas. How the victim was brutally attacked his head beaten in with a blunt object. We asked the Syvertson family for an interview, but they declined. Here's what Mr. Syvertson's daughter said at the time of Rousseau's conviction. I mean, there's always a payday for what you do, and I think he got what, you know, was coming to him, and we're satisfied um, with the verdict. The daughter of the man who was killed said that you were getting what you deserved. Do you deserve to be killed? No, ma'am, because, you know, in this situation, people, victims' family, never get never get closure because they don't understand what closure is. They really feel like that 
they stand in this courtroom and they listen to the state put on evidence that they consider to be truth because they're looking for justice. The predatory nature of his attack on Mr. Severson shows you was the, there was a thrill in that for him. And I think that just shows what a monster he really is. The district attorney called you a monster. You paint the pictures, he's a dog, he's an animal. Like my mama had this, this disease and delivered this disease to this world. That's not justice. Well, there you have it. Um, Gregory, I believe you pronounce his name, Rusayu. He speaks. Dennis, when you hear him talk, he says, I'm seeking justice. He says, I didn't commit this crime. The problem in the penitentiary in America today, the day they shut the bars and the doors behind you, they believe nothing that you say. Exactly. How is that possible? And and Cliff, when you hear him talk, just in that brief clip, he says, I'm not guilty of this crime. And that is what is so amazing to me because you hear this DA on here saying uh, the type of animal he was, the way he committed this crime. And I, I think what gets to me is the callousness because this man is still contending that he's innocent. And the callousness of the DA is like, well, I mean, he he's just like uh, point blank. He had to be the one who did it with the way that the justice system is all the exonerations that have. I mean, you're talking about the last couple of years have been record years for exonerations, people being let out of prison because they were innocent. They never committed the crime. Even people who uh, were were uh, coerced into confessing. They're letting these people out saying even the people who confessed to committing a crime did not commit the crime. And yet you have uh, this man with this callous, uh, nonchalant, well, he's, he's an animal. He's a monster. He deserves to die. You, the system is broken. And yet you, how, that, that's what gets me. The system is broken. How do you maintain the death penalty? Common sense says until the system is perfected and every conviction is a true conviction and this person truly committed the crime, then there should not be a death penalty as long as uh, as we're finding out that innocent people are put in prison. There shouldn't be a death penalty. And common sense, I mean, the death penalty isn't isn't getting you anything anyway, but until the system is perfect, yeah. you cannot go around justifying killing people. It makes no sense whatsoever. It, it, it is something, Cliff, when you say that, it breaks your heart. Yeah, it does. It, it, his the last words of Gregory Rosselli was this, 46 years old. I would like to thank my family and my friends for what y'all have done for me. Thank you for being here with me, that I do not have to transition alone. I have peace. To my daughter, I love you. To my grandbaby, sisters and brothers, I love you. I am ready to go home. We bid a farewell to Gregory Rosayu. Died June 18th, 2015. These are things that that trouble the mind, Lisa, when you hear that. That doesn't sound like a violent man to me. And I wasn't there. It doesn't sound like a violent man to me. No, it doesn't. 
It doesn't at all. And it it just it calls in, it calls into question so many different things because I mean you look at these at the people who are doing these things and you listen to the gentleman on the on the recording I mean on the on the clip there who was talking like Cliff said about the type of animal that he is and you have these people that have their minds that are have their minds set and made up that he's just decided that this man was guilty that he deserves to die. I mean, unless he was there watching him commit this crime, he really, truly has no idea. Unless you were just standing there and you were privy to seeing everything that was done, you don't know for sure that he did anything. Well, that is the critical issue that we address tonight on this show. You you don't know. If you don't know, you can't have a death penalty. And they talk so forcefully and so... Authoritative, authoritative. To, uh, I'm sorry. What's the word, Cliff? Authoritatively. Yeah, authoritatively. And they talk like uh, we just know for sure that this man, this is this is what he deserves. These people are getting justice. Justice is saying that you know this is what should happen to these people. They should die for this horrible crime they co- they've committed. But you don't know if they committed this crime. How do you know? And and, and that's the point. And and to the to the family that may be listening to this program tonight, uh, the, the correct pronunciation is Gregory Russo, and uh, we bid him a farewell and rest in peace, Gregory, as we deal with this issue tonight. And he's one of many, one of many, that have said, I didn't do it. What does that prosecutor prosecutor do, Cliff, when they come back and say, oh, we found out that they were not guilty, as they alluded to in the opening right. clip of the show. Oh, he wasn't guilty. What does this prosecutor do what does he say to the family, to the grandchildren, to the children, to the mother? What do you say to them? And you know that is that is what is what gets you because the culture of prosecutors is typically not to come back with an apology. Uh, they want to they want to make the statement. Well, the the process was followed uh, with what we with the evidence we were presented uh, with the probable cause that we had that's why we pursued a conviction so uh, the process was followed but they will never come back and say well I won't say never because there is the uh, you know the prosecutor in New York on the task force with uh, you know our friend uh, was the name Scalia up there uh, he does apologize when they find that you know hey this this guy got their uh, you know put their family in prison but typically the the DAs the prosecutors they say we followed the process, so uh, maybe a mistake was made, but you know maybe he did something else. And uh, most of the time, they go back and say we want to do the trial again, even though you found him innocent. Even though he was found innocent, DNA came back, uh, the crime was never committed. We want to try him again. We want to ask for a hundred thousand dollar bail to keep him in until we find something that we could try to take him to court for. It's a sickening process. No, it really is, and it's very troubling. And this situation is coming uh, to be a a habitual situation. This is habitual in this country where life does not matter. Nobody wants to deal with that truth. And there's another family that cried out from the cruelty of the death penalty. I cannot imagine a mother who knows her son, knows in her heart, he did not do this. And to watch him die, 
how more cruel does it get, folks? Can you be any more uh, cruel and inhumane to American citizens? And the, 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 the scary part about this story, ladies and gentlemen, they continue to sit on their high horse as if the system has no flaws, no problem at all. And they still, with this prosecutor, with his arrogance, it, he took a thrill in killing this man. If you got it wrong, how do you sleep at night? Yeah, and then what do you, then what do, you do? What do you say when, uh, when it comes back, oh, we found out that there was evidence that Mr. Russo was not the perpetrator of this crime? Then what do you do? How do you, how do you look his mother in the eye oh. and say, well, we're sorry that we killed him. We're sorry that we called him a monster. We're sorry for all the lies we told about. That's not going to happen. They are not going, they are not going to recover his him. name or his reputation. But you can't and, recover right, him. And his life is over. It's it's over. And, and wow. No, sorry, Cliff. Go ahead. No, it's it's uh, it just really is frustrating and uh, maddening because they just don't care. It's a conviction at any cost. At that any is the mindset that they take, even at the cost of another human life. And when you hear him talk, he is persuasive. He he has no reason to lie at this point. He said, "I'm not looking for uh, a a life sentence." He said, I don't want to be in this environment right. anymore. He said, I'm not looking for none of that. I'm looking to be free. Exactly. And go ahead, Dennis. Uh, I, as, as everybody was talking, it just amazes me. I was looking at an article where a judge refused to accept DNA evidence that showed that there was a mix-up in, in a murder trial. And, and what's sad about it is that even though you have the evidence, you're still, I mean, you're, you're going to allow the retrial. But listen to what he says. He says, regardless of the outcome of this individual's retrial, he will never see freedom again. He is serving life without parole for fatally shooting 10-year-old whoever as the boy walked to a North Philadelphia school in 2004. So this is what kills me. There's DNA, DNA evidence saying that he's not the perpetrator, but because I need that win in my column, right? I, I'm not. I'm not going. I'm not going to let. I'm not going to even accept the the DNA. This okay. is outrageous. It's outrageous. This is why we have innocent people on death row dying, all because our these judges and prosecutors. Have to have that win. Well, we say Lady Justice has gone missing. And, uh, Cliff, I believe we have a caller. Yes, uh, we have uh, June online. She wants to uh, make a comment about what she's heard here tonight. And, and we do have other callers. So if you guys can just uh, be patient, we will we will get to you as well. Uh, so we have um, June on the line. And, uh, June, go ahead. You are live. Hello, thank you for taking my call. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, I'm really amazed at the, that there are so many innocent people in prison. Um, but I think society is blinded and don't realize. There was a time when I didn't realize how many innocent people were in prison. But when you see that how broken the system is, um, and then the judges and the prosecutors have evidence but won't 
won't use it to exonerate people, I think people still believe, oh, they're guilty anyway. But I thank you for getting the word out there. Hopefully more and more people will realize what's going on in America and how bad our system is broken, and uh, they'll want to join the fight to do something. Thanks. And thank you for the call. We appreciate that. And, uh, folks, the, the point is clear. Uh, you can act like it's not an issue. You can act like it doesn't matter until it visits your front door, and that's your son in a coffin or your daughter. This is real. This is not a reality show, folks. This is real things happening in our country that we need to face. we got to deal with it. And what message do we send uh, folks in the United States, our children, their children, what message do we send about the home of the brave? Exactly. I mean, you. so you tell your kids that uh, we're the land of the free, home of the brave, but we kill our fellow man when we feel like it, be, and, and then we justify it by saying, well, he killed somebody else, so we went ahead and killed him. And, and you can't explain that to a kid. It's like, okay, a child's that. common sense is, so did he bring the other person back? And absolutely not. We have another caller on. Uh, Michelle, you have a comment. You're live. Uh, yes, I was wondering, is there anyone in Congress or the Senate taking a stand against the death penalty specifically because of wrongful convictions? Well, there are, I mean, you have uh, several of the of the members of Congress that are, are fighting, uh, you know, for justice reform, for prison reform, uh, for reform on all this. And it, it falls under there that, that says, hey, we have wrongful convictions. We have overcrowding in prisons. We uh, we have we have too much money being spent for, um, you know, for the prison, for the prison system. And. Uh, you know, it, it, it all is a part of it. It's all rolled up into it, and, and definitely they are a part of the fight. I mean, anybody oh. who listens to Spotlight on Capitol, here, on Capitol Hill here and listen to those who are on the Judiciary Committee and their stance against, uh, you know, the, the entire, just the culture of the prison system, of the judicial system, uh, they are definitely... Uh, fighting it every way possible. No, without question. And Cliff, and, and thank you for the call. Uh, Caller, we appreciate that, Michelle. Uh, but I'll tell you this, Cliff. When you're talking about $4 billion right. spent since 1978. For uh, human people. Uh, in California, we're not talking about $4 billion nationwide. $4 billion. So imagine, just add up, do the math, state to state, what it takes. Do you know the money? That's going into executions. And I think you made a statement uh, earlier, Cliff, in regards to, uh, was it Florida, that uh, they were talking about bringing the electric chair back, uh, which would be a complete outrage. Right, and I mean, they're talking about um, that bill is, uh, that was Virginia. And they're saying, well, if you don't, um, you know, if, if, if we can't get the, if we can't get the, the drugs for lethal in injections, if we can't get the pharmaceuticals to make those drugs, then we'll just go back to electric chair. And I, I think that's sick. We have well, another caller oh, go on. Ahead, go uh, uh, we have Ethel, you want you have a comment? You're live. Yes. I just wanted to say, um, listening to you guys talking about the death penalty, this is this has got to be the sickest thing that, that anybody could, you know, could, could ever come up with. 
And you, you, you listen to all of these statistics and stuff and the people that they've put to death, uh, people that are, are innocent. I, I mean, even though some of them were guilty, why? Why do you have to take a life for a life, you know? And then I, I look at it as though they're talking about ISIS and how bad ISIS is doing and killing their own. You're doing the same thing right here. You know, we, you may not be going to other countries and, and killing people, but you're doing the exact same thing, but it's done to our own people. How in the world do you justify something like that? I, I don't get it. And the thing, too, is when, when you talk about the amount of money that's being spent to, to house people on death row and then to execute them, you, you, you've got homeless veterans out here that you don't even want to be uh, bothered with, needing a home, they have families. Why can't that money be used for these people while you're running around executing innocent people? I thank you for taking my comment. And thank you for the call. And uh, I mean, true words, folks. It doesn't take a genius uh, to figure out that America is. It, we don't want to face the issues. We don't want to look ourselves in the mirror and say we have a problem. The first step in AA is to admit you have a problem. America needs to use that logic. We have a problem. We stand in denial as lives continue uh, to be taken. It's unbelievable. And this is something that has to definitely be uh, dealt with. And, and we were talking earlier, uh, Michelle asked if members of Congress, I know the state Congress in Utah, uh, Steve, uh, your court was supportive of the death penalty. Uh, and he makes the statement, it's wrong for government to be in business and killing its own citizens. So he's not supportive. Excuse me. Uh, that was as of, as of a year ago. And he said, this cheapens life. When you start taking the lives of people uh, and doing that, Governor Gary Herbert uh, uh, of Utah uh, makes this makes the statement as well. Uh, and and these are issues that have to happen. Um, they go further, if I'm not mistaken. Here, uh, there's a there's a uh, governor in in Utah that supports expanding the use of a firing squad. So they're they're in definite support of the de- of the death penalty. The firing squad. Wow. Now there is. When's the last time that was ever done? But it makes no. It may. There is no. Uh, there's no argument to say put a person up in front of some gunners and shoot them for a crime they committed. That is. That has been so long ago proven to be inhumane, uh, cruel unusual punishment whatever you want to uh whatever you want to call it that is that is just that's just sickening it, it's something that you know and i want to folks i'm going to tell you something uh uh many many years ago uh they had a series out called the faces of death uh i don't know if you folks are familiar with it dennis uh cliff it, it was actually reality yes of real accounts and video of death um I saw a man in an electric chair on that series. I saw a man electrocuted. Why they're talking about bringing that back in Florida? <laughs> they taped this young man's eyes up. Because the current going through his body, they said his eyeballs would have popped out of his head. Mm. When the execution started, I've never seen something so graphic. And the man was he was scared to death. And as he sat in that chair, 
and they turn that switch, the blood and the stuff coming out of his eyes and his ears and how this what I'm as I'm speechless. We call that normal. No, that is That's justice. That is that is absolutely That's torture. That's what we call it. Absolutely but, torture. But the fact that it's even being discussed, right? As as okay, hey, th- this is and That's the fact thing. that Virginia saying let's make it the default way that we uh, do death penalty since we can't get the uh, since we can't get the lethal injection drug. We we uh have one more more caller. Uh, we did not forget about you. Um, we have we have Willie. You are live. You have a comment about the show tonight. Yes, I do, and thanks for having me uh, on the show. I was just listening to uh, to you guys, and you know, I'm almost in tears for the simple fact that you have a man or a woman, you know, that maybe maybe they have done something wrong, and then you have these judges, you know, standing as God, if you will, to say that I'm going to take your life, and no one has that right to do so. But God, and you know, you think about it, and it's like, where is the humane side of our judges? There, there is no humane side. They execute who they want to execute, and they don't care how they do it. They just want to kill somebody, and it's so, uh, it's 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 so unhumane that you know, do you care about human life? What if it was your daughter? What if it was your son? That was in a situation, and you and, and they were being put to death. How would you feel about that? You know, and I'm just I'm just so moved by the the whole uh, uh, topic because no man has a right to take another man's life. It's it, 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 it's just not right. And the fact that you have these judges sitting on the bench, feeling like they're God, that they they can do whatever and and, and to whomever they want to do it to, and no one is held held accountable. And even if they're wrong, even if they made a mistake, they're not held accountable for the simple fact that they made a mistake. And they should be held accountable. And I, I'm just moved by the topic, and it, it really it really irks me and it really hurts me for the simple fact that you have these people sitting on the bench that call themselves justice and they're killing people. Thank you for having me. And thank you for your call, Willie. We appreciate that. A correction note, program note, a correction rather. Uh, Utah State Senator Steve Yorkort sponsored the bill SB 189, that is the bill to incorporate the firing squad, and Governor Herbert supports that bill and intends to sign that bill if it makes it to him. And the statement they make is this. The governor states, we wish to congratulate Utah on this exciting progress and hope this continues in the House. I am, that is amazing to me. Excited. We congrat. We're excited. <laughs> Exciting to, to line people up wow. and put a bullet in their head. The, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, America has lost her way, and somehow we have to find it. And that when these are leaders, I don't want to move to Utah. <laughs> well, it shows you how little they actually value a value a human life because you cannot. How do you congratulate, like, hey, you guys decided to start the firing squad. Congratulations. That is, that is, these are not rodents. These are not pests that are out there that you're trying to get rid of. This is human life. And they're saying, well, congratulations, you're going you're gonna to line them up like coyotes that have been, uh, you know, attacking livestock. 
and you're going to put a bullet in them. That it's is unbelievable. And for your governor to come out, hey, congratulations. I'm so glad that you've decided to kill people. Well, that is sick. Folks, it, it, I'm, I'm lost. How do you say that? <laughs> congratulations. No, look, folks, this isn't a football game. Congratulations. We are looking forward to this. This ain't Medicaid, Medicare. This isn't new jobs. We want to congratulate our hardworking state legislators in getting this bill passed. Are you kidding me? Unbelievable. And it, Let's go to another clip. Another family, one of many, crying for justice in regards to the cruelty of the death penalty. Let's see what they have to say. The family of a man executed for the rape and murder of a pregnant Preble County woman plans to file a federal lawsuit seeking an injunction on the death penalty. Dennis McGuire's family claims his execution violated his Eighth Amendment right prohibiting cruel and unusual punishment. McGuire was put to death yesterday using two drugs that had never before been used in executions. His death took longer than past executions, and about five minutes after the drugs were administered, McGuire's body convulsed in an apparent attempt to breathe. The question is whether or not the state of Ohio should duplicate the actions of a criminal. And our answer is no. I saw him laying on the table, just gasping for his air. His head kept coming up, and he just, his mouth was wide open, and he's making all kinds of horrible noises. The family met at their lawyer's office today and plans to file the suit in federal court in the next few days. <sighs> oh, wow. Ladies and gentlemen, the injustice of the death penalty. But it has to go a step further. The cruelty. She explains in the clip this young man's mouth being open as he gasps for breath. We have a problem in this country. And it has to be dealt with. People are crying out about the death penalty. We go, uh, this is an article written by Ali Conti, and it's titled, Why Florida Loves the Death Penalty. And we, Cliff, we read off those numbers at the beginning. Uh, in regards to the number of people on death row. And I'll just share a little bit. The electric chair, nicknamed Old Sparky, during rare press tour of Florida State Prison at Stark in August 1989. In Florida, there's no shortage of things that can kill you. It's the lightning strike, a shark bite, capital, um, as the Orlando Senate helpfully dubbed it. Also alligators, but leaving natural uh, pneumonia aside, Florida is also one of the most execution-friendly destinations in America. The Sunshine State has 389 death row inmates, more than any other besides California, according to the Death Penalty Information Center. Alarmingly, Florida also leads the nation with 26 death row exonerations. 26 death row. I'm going to pause right there. They lead the nation, Cliff. Lisa Dennis, and 26 death row exonerations, which means had that exoneration not come back, we would have killed the innocent. They man. would 26 people would have died. So that, and that's why the article says they're the worst of the worst. You kill the most people, and you kill the most innocent people. Wow! How, 
how is the death penalty still law in Florida? This is this is sick. That is the poster child for one of the states. I mean, several states, I think like 31 states, have banned the death penalty. But definitely, if you're Florida, you should. When you have this type of record, like, well, we kill the most people. We also kill the most innocent people. It, this is this is insanity. And well, the definition of insanity is you keep doing the same thing and expect some different outcome. You keep killing people, and they're innocent, but you're like, well... I, I guess their thought process is well. We're getting some guilty ones in there too. This is well, sick. but here's here's the one thing, folks, that you wow. got to pay attention to. Nineteen states and Washington is and Washington D.C. have abolished the death penalty. Alaska, Connecticut, Hawaii, as I said, the District of Columbia, Illinois, Iowa, Maine, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Minnesota, Nebraska, New Jersey, New Mexico, New York. North Dakota, Rhode Island, Vermont, and West Virginia, and Wisconsin have abolished the death penalty. That 19 states have said, we have a problem. Yes. That's, that speaks volumes. And it says here that, meanwhile, American support for the death penalty is near a 40-year low. According to a Pew Research poll conducted last spring, the fact that DNA evidence can exonerate people who were long ago falsely convicted has inspired many to doubt the efficiency of the criminal justice system, and laws around the country are changing to mirror that shift in public opinion. In January, the Supreme Court, which, which still leans in favor of the death penalty, in the abstract deemed Florida's execution sentencing protocol unconstitutional. But rather than take the death penalty off the books, politicians in Florida are currently arguing over new jurors, uh, justification, excuse me, they might use for killing convicts, which begs the question of why, in a swing state that's often considered a, a, a barometer for the rest of the country, officials are so dead set on preserving capital punishment. Goes further to say Bob Delk, a law professor at the University of Florida, says the death penalty has been a part of the state's culture. Cliff, our word. Yes. A part of the culture as long as he can remember. First, it was hangings, and then in 1923, it was the electric chair. And, and Delk's granddaddy was a sheriff in Union County in northern Florida back around the time of World War I, when the state executions were still carried out at the local level. The old man threw the switch on and an inmate himself once. A duty Delk says Grandpa didn't particularly enjoy, but when that was local custom, at least until 1941, when local sheriffs were replaced by black-hooded executioners. What does that tell you? And we're going to hear right now uh, from a former, I believe he's a judge or warden, I believe he's a warden, who speaks out in his opposition of the death penalty. Let's hear what he had to One say. One day, I finally did sit down with myself and I said, there is no way, no way I could ever support another execution. I was starting out as a correctional officer in 1978 at Dade Correctional Institution down in Dade County near Florida City. Um, I was a strong supporter of the death penalty. It was out of sight, out of mind. It was something that I always felt was the right thing to do. And then my first execution came along. And uh, 
Getting up close to an execution means that uh, some 30 days or so before you kill someone, you get to know this person very well. You start to learn from these people that they regret what they did. Uh, they'd like to back up and do it all over again if they could. You hear a lot of interesting things from people who are condemned to die. And then finally on that final day, you walk into a cell early in the morning, uh, minutes before the execution, you sit down on the bunk next to the condemned and you tell this person uh, uh, time has come. And it's amazing how they sort of help you along at that point. They seem to start gathering a little courage and, uh, and telling you things like, don't worry, it's okay. It's okay, I can handle it. Anyone who gets up close to an execution, physically touches the person they're getting ready to kill, speaks to them, communicates with them, shares their most intimate thoughts in those last few minutes of their life, and then takes them into this dirty little room and kills them. If they can honestly say that that person doesn't come back to visit them from time to time, they're not human. Wow, folks, there you have it. Dennis, when you, this is a former warden who oversaw executions. He said, I will never do that again as long as I live. And he says, if a person doesn't deal with that fact, he's not human. Something is happening where people are recognizing there is a problem. And as a warden, he's doing his job. Exactly. And he says, I can't do it anymore. He says, the ghost, come back and visit him. Why did you kill me? Cliff, when you hear that, this is a man who did this for a living day in and day out. And he says, I can't do it anymore. Well, you know, the thing that I'm glad about is that his conscience finally came back and got him. I mean, if it, it, the ghost haunting him, uh, you know, God convict him, however it happened, at least he grew a conscience. At least he said, this is wrong. This is uh, this is not the way that uh, that that this should happen. There is no need for for uh, executions. And he refused to uh, and he refused to do it anymore. And it it. At least you get that, that get somebody that. somebody says, you know, this is wrong and I'm not going to partake in it, job or not. At least you have that. And, um, Cliff, we have a caller. Yes, we, uh, and, you know, we, we're getting to the end of time, so I know we have a few more people who are holding on the line. If we do not get to all of you, we do apologize. Um but we do have uh, Wayne who wants to make a comment. Go ahead, Wayne. You are live. Hey, thanks, Paul. I just wanted to say, you know, after listening, uh, folks talk about. Can you hear me? Yeah, Wayne, you got a little bit of a bad connection there. Uh, maybe. Can you hear us? I can hear you fine. I'm not sure yeah, what's going on. A little little technical issues with your phone. We may not be able to get your your point. Uh, uh, we apologize for that. Yeah, you're um, breaking up. Uh, they're pretty bad, Wayne. We apologize for that. Next call. Um, so we have uh, 
we have Leroy who wants to make a comment. Uh, he he has a comment about the show tonight. And uh, go ahead, Leroy. You are live. Yes. Uh, my comment is I, I'm, I'm you know looking at the the past and you see um, where people are getting angry about this lion that got killed in Africa and this this teenager that's killing all these exotic animals. And then you hear about back in 94 when Michael, I believe his name was Michael Fay, was flogged in Japan for doing something wrong, but no. Leroy, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, we lost you for a second. Go ahead, please. I said, uh, I was saying about uh, this guy, Michael Fay, back in 94, I believe it was, when he was flogged in Japan. And everyone was outraged by that. They were they were really upset about that. And they were also upset about, you know, this lion Cecil that got killed in Africa. But no one cares about death row inmates that are being killed, and, 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 and most of them are innocent. And it just doesn't make sense to me. I don't understand how you can uh, reconcile that and be okay with uh, killing innocent people, but you're angry at someone that, that got spanked, essentially. But that's all I have to say. Thank you. Oh, no, we thank you for your call. We appreciate that. Um, Cliff, your thoughts? Yeah, he's absolutely right. I mean, it, sure, I mean, we can be upset about a uh, about an exotic animal that uh, died for no reason. We can be upset about a man who gets flogged uh, in a foreign ca- country, you know, an American citizen. But we have to deal with the fact that, you know, uh, you guys are killing innocent people. That innocent life is being taken. Uh, there's no, there's no reason for it. It has been proven that it doesn't, it doesn't help anything. To um, you know, basically, capital punishment, uh, execute a person does not. It doesn't help anything. It doesn't give. Um, it's not justice. It, it makes no common sense whatsoever. It doesn't bring back the person who who sure. was uh who was killed the families get a moment just a moment yeah. of reprieve and then they still have to deal with the fact that you know my family member is still gone that did not bring them back and now they have on their conscience that uh another person is dead well what we've learned tonight uh in this program uh and it's got emotions going everywhere in this studio tonight as well as our callers that are calling in um this this is an eye opener uh, and this is something that has to be dealt with, and it yeah. needs to be talked about. And when um, t- what stood out more most to me tonight was that former warden that said he would not be a part of this anymore. And you could hear the regret in his voice. And the fact that uh, you have people that are, again, we talk about all the time, uh, that have been exonerated. We're going to go to one more clip. Uh, talking about a death row inmate that was exonerated. He was exonerated. That statement right there, death row inmate exonerated, tells you the big picture of a big problem. Let's hear what he had to say. Reggie Griffin thought he'd never walk free again. For 30 years, he's been in prison, sentenced to death for a 1983 murder he did not commit. I'm lost. I'm saying, you know, like, it's like a bad dream. I don't believe it, but I know it's real. 
On death row, Reggie and his family waited as one by one, his fellow inmates, 69 of them, were executed as his own date with the executioner drew near. How do you get ready to die? My mother would come and see me. But she'd be like, you know, I don't want them to kill you. And I'm like, Mama, I haven't even done anything, so I don't believe I'm going to be killed. But, you know, I know the reality that I could have, I could be killed because I'm seeing people around me get killed, okay? In prison for assault, Griffin was convicted of fatally stabbing another inmate here at Missouri's Moberly Correctional Center. One witness against Griffin died before trial. A second recanted his evidence, a fact hidden from the defense. Prosecutors later admitted they knew this makeshift dagger was found in the hands of another inmate. Prosecutors won the death penalty by citing a prior conviction. A conviction, it turned out, was committed by another man with the same name. But do you have any faith in the system? Do I have any faith in the system? Very little. Okay, very little. It's a familiar story here in America's death belt broad swath of the South and Midwest. 143 people have been exonerated while on death row here, by DNA evidence, most people color. We are humans, and as humans, we make mistakes. We don't listen very well. We don't listen very well to the clients. The prosecutors don't listen very well to their evidence. Here implicating not just the prosecutors, but the whole system, the judges, the defense attorneys, the police, um, all of us. With three decades of life lost, Griffin is discovering the changes the years can bring. Cell phones, cars that give directions, and questions seem determined to kill him. And there you have it, folks. Um, a serious topic. Death penalty in America is innocent lives are lost. And until we do something about it, uh, it's not going to change. And to the men and women who have died at the hand of execution, who are innocent, we bid you farewell. As tonight, we reflect on an issue that has to be fixed, else more coffins will be filled and more lives will be lost. Coming up, what you didn't know about the IRP-6, we want to give us very, very uh, special thanks uh, to uh, Diane for joining us tonight. Um, and again, we're going to have her back on the show, Diane Rustierney. Thank you so much for your work, your efforts. And now we understand very clearly why advocacy is so very important. In fighting these issues, we see why. And to Diane Russ Tierney, we salute you for your efforts and your work, and we look forward to having you back. Thanks for taking some time with us tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, hang in there with us. An emotional show tonight as we have uncovered a serious problem, and we will continue to address those issues. Stay with us, won't you, as we come back with what you didn't know about the IRP-6, whom this show and all shows are dedicated to. We'll be right back. Now is time. Time to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded. 
Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. Ladies and gentlemen of America, it is that time of year again. Let's Talk kicks off Tuesday, March 15th at 7 p.m. at 451 Windchime Place, sponsored by Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. We will be featuring Michelle Newell, Deputy Public Defender, right here in El Paso County. She will be addressing mass incarceration, criminal justice reform, judicial accountability, and one of her passions, treating versus jailing the mentally ill. Folks, this is something you don't want to miss. Give us a call, 855-529-4252, extension 710. Folks, Let's Talk kicks off now. We'll see you there. Some people think that business is a game. And what we have learned is that business actually is war. When they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. It's strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. What we have learned is that the IRP6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. It became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it, it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over it. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to. Is this happening in America? The American dream of the RP6 has turned into a nightmare. Crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org. Sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. When you hear that sound, it's what you didn't know about the IRP-6 story. We 
seek to ask the tough questions. We seek justice for these six men. And when you look at a justice system that has failed, uh, we said it all the time on this program that Lady Justice has gone missing. Uh, Lisa, when you hear that term, Cliff, excuse me, and Lisa Dennis, all of us here, when you hear the term just, Lady Justice has gone missing, what does that tell you? What is Lady Justice is supposed to be blind, but there's a problem. Dennis, what goes through your mind with that? What goes through my mind is that Lady Justice is not seeing the things that she should be seeing. She's closed her eyes to the injustice of, you know, our justice system. The prosecutors, the, the judges that, that you know, that, that is above the law. So uh, justice is indeed no longer blind. And absolutely. Folks, who are the RP6? They are David Banks, Gary Walker, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, and Clinton Stewart. What you didn't know about the RP6 is this. Six men had a vision to keep the homeland safe. They sought out to create software that will protect your children, their children, from the threats, any terrorist threat that approaches the homeland of the United States. What you didn't know is that through all of their efforts and their work, someone sought out to stop them. The question tonight is why? Cliff, when we ask that question, why would anyone stop a small startup business as RP Solutions and set out to stop them. What you didn't know, there are many players at play here. Cliff, talk to the people. Well, what you got to look at, Lamont, is that there, you look at the reason, well, not the reason, but you look at what was on the table with the Silk software. There was an initiative called a Consolidated Enforcement Environment for all of law enforcement at the federal level. That initiative was worth $1 billion in its, in its first, its initial stand-up. I mean, you look at everybody, look at Department of Homeland Security, that RP Solutions was in negotiations and had, uh, had laid out a proposal for the first module that Department of Homeland Security asked about the Silk software. That first initial proposal was uh, a quote for $100 million. To stand it up and put in one module of 18 modules. So you say for Homeland Security, they would have spent about $1.8 billion to implement the entire Silk software. When you're talking about that much money on the table for one client, one client, $1.8 billion, you're talking about that much money. The big wigs, Fortune 500, uh, defense um, contractors are looking at, you guys got 18 uh, developers, an uh, uh, 18-man company total, and Department of Homeland Security is telling us that we need to call you what to, to find out, you know, if if you can help us. And and I remember, you know, one company, uh, I don't remember exactly who it was right now, but said, you guys got how many engineers working on this? We have a 1,000 engineers 1,000 engineers working on the development of this product, and we were told by the Department of Homeland Security to call you, and you have 18 employees, and you're talking about security guards, you're talking about developers, you're wow. talking about secretaries, 18 total, 
and we're being told to well, call you. Well, the bottom line is this, ladies and gentlemen, this is a product that works. Yes. We turn on our televisions, we hear the pundits, we hear the the American people and leaders crying out to stop ISIS. They say, what are we going to do? Are our kids safe? The IRP-6 sought out to make that happen and to make it a reality. Who are the IRP-6? Men, entrepreneur men who, who grabbed and take, took, basically took a hold of the entrepreneur spirit of America, and they were shot down. They stood at ground zero. What you didn't know, they stood there with a vision, and it was taken. They have been locked up going on four years, Lisa, in July, wrongfully convicted for one thing. They're guilty of one thing, protecting the homeland, making a difference, grabbing and reaching for the American dream, which has turned into an American nightmare. Who are the RP6? David Banks, Gary Walker, Demetrius Harper, Kendrick Barnes, Dave Zapolo, Clinton Stewart, patriots of this nation. We need you to go to change.org, sign the petition as we request the president to release these men. But it's a matter of national security. It's time to do it now. Lisa, the perpetrators of justice, who are they? They are U.S. Attorney John Walsh, Assistant U.S. Attorney Matthew Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sunita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Federal Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Baldock, Appellate Judge Harris Hartz, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Moen, Federal Agent John Epke, Former Federal Agent Gary Hilberry, Attorney Thomas Goodread, Attorney Clifford Barnard, Attorney Thomas Richard, Attorney Robert Berger, Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Staten Jr., Attorney Rick Kornfeld, Attorney Mark Garagos, Attorney E. I'm sorry, <laughs> Susan Holland of ETI Professionals, and Samuel K. Thurman. And thank you for that, Lisa. As uh, again tonight, folks, what a program and what a discussion. As you may have been sitting around the kitchen table, you may have taken a seat in the old recliner, but tonight something has happened, and you may be a little bit troubled about what's going on in this nation. We appreciate uh, you folks joining us. Please go out to uh, change.org, sign the petition. Also sign the petition for Renee Lima Marin, uh, the gentleman that was sent back to prison wrongfully, I'll be honest with you, and a huge injustice happened to him as he started over with his family, his wife, uh, uh, Jasmine. Folks, injustice is running rampant in this country. AJC Radio will continue to be the voice to bring that information to you. Please uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and again, folks, join us Thursday evening for Spotlight on Capitol Hill. This week, we have a lion, Lisa, if you will, and Senator Dick Durbin, folks, you don't want to miss that. Join us. Cliff? Yes, I want to say thank you to everyone in the chat room, all of our callers. Uh, we appreciate all of your questions, all of your comments. Also, we want to say thank you one more time to Diane Russ Tierney. We appreciate you taking time out of your evening to spend a little bit of that with us. Also, I want to say thank you to our production team, K&D Productions, Captain Kyle, Dustin Jackson, helping out Ill Skill of Girl in the control room. 
and uh, they make sure that you hear what it is that we have to say. Also, we want to say thank you to our research team. Uh, they give us accurate, up-to-date information so we can pass that on to you. And to the truth, we know you're out there, and we appreciate it. And, folks, don't forget this point. Michelle Newell, Deputy Supervisor for the Public Defender's Office here in El Paso County. Folks, Let's Talk kicks off a week from tonight, 7 p.m., and uh, as Just Calls brings that to you, the event will take place at Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. And, folks, Michelle is a champion for judicial issues, over 10 years of experience, uh, making a difference in our judicial system. She has something she has to say. You don't want to miss it. Folks, that's, again, Tuesday, March 15th at 7 p.m. at Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. Let's Talk kicks off right now. We'll see you next time. Good night, America. Good night. A new study estimates that at least 4% of all defendants sentenced to death are innocent. The new report compiled by legal and statistical experts in Pennsylvania and Michigan use statistical techniques to peer behind the so-called dark figure that lies behind the death penalty. The number is described as deliberately conservative and concludes that if those wrongfully convicted had their sentences cleared, the exoneration rate would jump from 1.6% to over 4.1%. The author of the study, uh, Samuel Gross, says, quote, this is a disturbing finding. There are a large number of people who are sentenced to death, and despite our best efforts, some of them have undoubtedly been executed. So by the, by the logic adopted, um, around 340 prisoners would have been released over the 30-year period that was analyzed. They analyzed the period from 1974 to 2004, um, whereas in fact, only 138 were actually released. So it's a vast, a wide, wide differential there. This, uh, every so often the debate about the death penalty comes up, and this should bring it to the surface again and be addressed because that's, that's a... a Gaping, gaping gap in the statistics. 300 people put to death wrongly. Henry McCollum and Leon Brown are half-brothers, and they've been in jail for 31 years. And the reason why they're in jail is because they uh, allegedly did the brutal crime of raping a, a woman named Sabrina Bowie and then they killed her by shoving her panties down her throat. So a brutal, grotesque, vicious crime, we all agree. And this week, so the publication this week points out, quote, McCollum and Brown in the 50s and 60s were convicted mainly on the basis of signed confessions. So the case is so high profile that Antonin Scalia, the Supreme Court Justice, actually referenced this case in an argument he made, I believe in the 90s, as to why he thinks the death penalty actually is constitutional. He basically says, well, look, some of these crimes are so vicious that the only just thing to do is to kill these people. So here is where the curveball to the story comes in. The signed confessions were coerced. And then, quote, they were cleared thanks to DNA testing of evidence. The North Carolina Innocence Inquiry Commission did find DNA evidence on a cigarette butt near the crime scene, 
but it belonged to a guy named Roscoe Artis, a convicted sexual predator who lived a block from where Bowie's body was found. So these guys spent 31 years in jail, and they didn't do it. Ugh, is that rough, man. That's crazy. Now, thankfully, because of DNA evidence, uh, they're being released, and in a twist of irony and vindication, really, Antonin Scalia's example in favor of the death penalty is actually... 